0: So, the text for this morning's sermon is from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. The first section, 1 through 14. Perhaps it's verse 17. John chapter 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I, then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who was sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Are there things that you would just never do, not even for a million dollars? I hope there are some things like that. Maybe more what I'm thinking of, are there, let's say, jobs or chores that if you could, you would do everything to get out of them? I mean, do you hate, let's say, I don't know, cleaning the bathrooms, scrubbing toilets, My personal favorite, cleaning up after someone else has been sick. Who wants to do that, even even as a parent? Well, here in our text, we find something like that. The Lord Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And I want us all to realize what a radical thing that is. In those days, only slaves did this. In fact, only Gentile slaves did this. If you were a Jewish slave, no Jewish master would ever ask you to wash his feet. Palestine was very hot and dusty. Feet in sandals. You can imagine they can get pretty smelly. You didn't travel by car. You walked on roads, and on those roads too, there might be garbage, even a pile of dung or two. Washing someone's feet was messy business. In 1 Samuel, Abigail offers to do this for, one of Dave, for David's servants. Out of great respect. She doesn't actually do it. She says that she will do this, even wash the feet of David's servants, it's a way of expressing how much love she has for David, how much devotion she has for him. Do you remember John the baptizer? He said that he was not worthy to even untie the sandal of the Messiah. Do you know how humble he's being? And how greatly he's speaking about the Messiah? Untying the sandal. He's saying he's not even willing to do the, or worthy to do the very first thing in order to wash the Messiah's feet. That's how great the Messiah is. But here, in our text, you can't believe it. The great Messiah is, unties, sandals, and takes a towel and washes the feet of his disciples. This is shocking and unheard of. There is no record of anything like this in the ancient world where the master does something like this for his followers. But this is the thing, this is what you need to see. This foot washing is only the tip of the iceberg. Because here, the Lord Jesus Christ is demonstrating what his cross is all about. There's a greater shock than that here in John chapter 13. There is a God who died for you and me. Who humbled himself even unto death, a shameful death. Who did more than wash our feet of filth. Who has washed our filthy souls with his blood and spirit. I put our sermon under this theme then. Christ clearly shows us the great love of his cross. We'll look at three things. First of all, his love. Secondly, his cleansing. Thirdly, his command. Now as we look at this particular chapter here, what I first want you to see is the somewhat long and perhaps even strange introduction. We're not told that Jesus immediately grabbed a towel. We're told things like he knew what was going to happen. He knew about the betrayal that was going to happen. He knew that he came from the Father, was going to the Father. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. You need to realize there's a play on words that English doesn't capture. Not just he loved them to the end, but in Greek, it also means he loved them to the max. He wants to show his disciples there is no end to his love. But what does this introduction here, first of all, tell us? Well, first of all, it sets the tone for everything that follows, or better it tells us that Christ is setting the tone for everything that follows. If you're reading through the Gospel of John, what are you going to see in the next chapters? What's supposed to stand out? The great evil, the great betrayal of the Son of God, the darkness of the world? No, this introduction tells you we are to always see here The love of Christ, who knew exactly what he was getting into. Intentional love. Deliberate love. It tells us that nothing surprises Christ. Nothing is ever thrust upon him. He is always in control, even to when the disciples, it seems like he's not. Just as Christ would deliberately get up from this meal, And put a towel around his waist and wash the feet of his own. So too he would deliberately go to a cross. Despite the betrayal of Judas and the conspiring of the Jewish leaders. It also tells us that in these next chapters we are to remember. These dark times are the great work of God. Jesus knowing that he came from the Father and was going to the Father. In the Gospel of John, there is this stress on Christ's relationship with his Father. That he is the Son. And you need to know that in the Gospel of John, that just doesn't mean that there is a kind of connection between them. But that as the Son, he is always busy With the Father's work. You know, like sons might be busy in the family business. Christ is not a liberal or a madman. He is the Son who reveals the Father in this world. If you want to know God, you look to the Son. You look to Jesus Christ. And that's also true here. He does this foot washing He dies on a cross because it's his delight to do the great work of God and to reveal the glory of God the Father to us. And lastly, on this introduction, let me highlight this. The beautiful way that Christ here works with his disciples. You see, something very traumatic Is going to happen to the disciples. I mean, the master is going to be arrested. He's going to be brutally put to death. Here's the amazing thing, though Christ prepares them for it. That's what this foot washing, too, is all about. Amazingly, Christ is not obsessing about his cross, about the hellish death that he's going to have to suffer. Here, too, he's preparing his disciples to understand something way over their heads. Something more disturbing and something more marvelous than they can imagine. Well, let's leave it at that. Now let's turn to the scene. So the disciples and Christ, they are gathered together to celebrate the Jewish feast of Passover. From the Gospel of Luke, we learn that the disciples have a very strange mindset. They actually are obsessing about which of them is the greatest. What a time to argue about that. But so like us. It's no wonder then that something has not happened. No one has cared to notice feet that were normally washed have not been washed. In those days you laid down and reclined at a meal so don't picture it like da Vinci's last supper you know at a big table they were all probably arranged in a sort of U on low couches or mats around an equally low table but you see, if you're arranged like this, then you can, you can put your feet out behind you so no one would notice your stinky, sweaty feet. But at one point early on, Jesus notices. He rises from the meal, takes off his outer garment, puts a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and begins to wash their feet. I'm sure things got quiet in a hurry. Well, That takes us to our second point. In the Gospel of John, there are signs. Turning water into wine, John chapter 2, the healing of the man in the pool of Bethesda, the raising of Lazarus, John doesn't call these things miracles. He calls them signs. They're signs that aren't just to wow and amaze us, but to help us see the significance of the work of Christ, the meaning of his death and resurrection. Well, the same is true here. You need to see this is not just a lesson in humility. You can learn humility in a lot of places. This is far greater than that. This is a revelation of the glory of God, the glory of Christ. It's not simply just that, well, someone had to wash the feet of the disciples and Christ here decides to teach His disciples a thing or two. The Father has arranged things. He's given this to the Son as a place. Where the Son can testify to what his work is all about. And we see that especially in Christ's interaction with Peter. As Christ is washing the feet of his own Peter, as is often the case, he blurts things out. He says what everyone else is only thinking Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Christ responds, You do not understand what I am doing, but afterwards you will. Now let's stop here just for a second or two. You can see here that Christ is talking about much more than just foot washing. Afterward, you will understand what I am doing. After what? After my cross, my resurrection after my spirit has been poured out and opened up your eyes to the meaning of my death and resurrection? What is the cross of Christ all about? On the list of all important questions in life, this is definitely in in the top three. And that's what this passage too, the whole Gospel of John, is about. You see, many people love John chapter 13. But because they try to separate John chapter 13 from John chapter 19, when Christ dies. Humanitarians, they love the Christ of John chapter 13. So humble, so serving. But that brutally rips this chapter out of Scripture. It twists Christ's own intentions. Afterward, you will understand what I am doing. This water that He washes the feet of His own with is a symbol of something far greater. His blood poured out on the cross. His spirit secured by giving up His life on the cross. What happened outside of Jerusalem? Here in John chapter 13, Christ makes it very clear. It wasn't just a man who died. The greatest of kings became the lowest of slaves for you and me. Our God. He is far greater than Allah. You know the Muslim God who's just way up there? Our God has come down here. Our God loves to serve. I would not even dare to suggest this myself. When you think about who God is, that He is the mighty God, the King of kings, that His glory is greater than all the galaxies put together. But here, the Lord Jesus Christ shows us that God is marvelous in ways that we don't even dare to imagine. God's glory is a wonderfully paradoxical glory. God does not just do the unimaginably powerful, He does the unimaginably humble. We have a God, a Savior. Who loves to dazzle us by the demeaning things that he is willing to do in love. See, how can we consider the cross so casually? This foot washing here, it's also the word that we need to meditate on. How many people have washed your feet, especially when they're rather stinky and smelly? How many people have even touched your feet? I, I would hazard a guess that aside from your husband and the person doing your pedicure, it's probably hardly anyone. But this is the thing: How many people? Would dare touch your soul, born and conceived in sin, filled with shame and guilt. Foot washing shocks the disciples. But what about your God entering your shame and your darkness and your misery? Dying a hideous death for you and me. Washing our foul and filthy souls with His nail-pierced hands. The work of Jesus Christ ought to shock you. And if it doesn't shock you time and time again, do we really know the work of our Saviour? But let's also bring out the comfort here. You see, here in John chapter 13, we're not just glimpsing something in this inner room that was true for the disciples and only for them. We're not just onlookers to John chapter 13 thinking, well, I wish I was there and experienced that. No. For everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, Christ does the same. He washes your soul personally, just as he washed the feet of his disciples personally. John says Christ now loved his own to the end. His own. His love was very specific. You have a Savior who knew you in the shame of your sinfulness, but yet who loved you specifically and died for you specifically. We we'll now look at Peter's response. It's a very understandable response. You shall never wash my feet. Christ then says, if I do not, you have no part in me. If I do not, you have no part in me. Christ stresses, if you want to enjoy his work, you have to enjoy, share in this washing. Your feet do need to be washed. You need cleansing. He has to die for you. The death of Jesus Christ Knowing it, believing it is the only way to enjoy his life, his love. All pride needs to go. There is no walking into heaven with your head up in pride, even a slight bit. We all need to confess. We need this sort of washing, it's critical. Then Peter goes to the other extreme. Well, wash all of me. Christ says that's not necessary. Peter doesn't quite understand what this washing is about. He wants some sort of insurance policy. He doesn't understand that belonging to Christ has already made him clean. This also stresses that Christ here is speaking about something once for all, complete and total. Christ is not instituting here a kind of ritual washing that needs to be repeated over and over again. That's not the point. Don't come away from this passage thinking that. Christians don't repeat their baptism. We don't, we're not busy with ritual washings like Muslims, for instance. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are clean. You have been washed. Know it, enjoy it in confidence. That takes us to our third point. Things don't stop here. Because then Christ does another shocking thing. He makes this foot washing into a command, an example for the disciples and for us. This happened on what's often called Monday Thursday. Have you ever heard that phrase? Monday Thursday? Monday is not a girl's name. Monday is related to the word for mandate. But Christ gave this mandate, this command. As I have washed your feet, you must also wash one another's. Some conclude from this that Christ is instituting a third sacrament. But nowhere in Scripture is foot-washing a kind of sacrament. That view also fails to see that Christ is not actually talking about literal foot-washing. Because this is all about his cross and its meaning. And that is the shocking thing. The cross of Jesus Christ also needs to become our example and the standard for our love. That's what Christ wants in His followers. Not just those who first of all marvel every day at His love. But who also begin to model it. Christ here is talking about so much more than a basin and a towel. He's showing the significance of His death and He is calling us that if it must be, even to things like a shameful death for the sake of others, for love for God and love for others, so that we too, with love to the end, to the max. Christ here is teaching us about love. We who love to talk about love and sing about love, but who on our own as sinners know hardly anything about real love. Here we see love is willing to, To do dirty work. Love and service go hand in hand. Love is not just romance and pie-in-the-sky feelings. Love is willing to pour itself out for the sake of others. Love is willing to bear shame and disgrace. Love is prepared to be humble and to be debased to carry a cross. I know what lives in your heart because it lives in mine as well. Why do we, despite our talk, so often not love the way that we ought to, the way that we might even promise to? What's wrong with us? Are people just unlovable? Are we just unloving? There's more to it than that. We're also proud. We think others are below us. We think that things are below us. John Calvin puts his finger where it hurts. In the golden age of the Reformation, things were not much different then, even. He says, The reason why the love of the brethren is despised is that every man thinks more highly of himself than he ought to and despises almost every other person. So love is choked off in our lives by what? By hate? By pride. Where is our humility? May Christ's actions here. Humble us and break us even. So that we learn to truly love. As he has loved us. God's glory, the word of God reveals. Is a paradoxical. Glory! It is the glory also of serving, of stooping, of serving those who are not worthy of being served. Isn't that what we cling to as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Then let's also take up his command. He is our master. Do we think that we are greater than he is? Let's hold on to this. This is glory. To be low. To do for others what they think that we would never do. To never draw a line as if our love is only a a convenient love. A love that leaves us untouched. No. Our love is willing to bear humiliation. Our love is willing to do what is menial. Because by the grace of God, our love as Christians, it is being filled out and shaped by the very love of Christ. That Christ's love becomes the new DNA it fills his whole church. Christ says, Afterward, you will understand. Are we learning to understand? We who are afterward. Do we understand what Good Friday is all about? Then we will also be busy doing. Whenever we look to the cross of Christ, seeing in it also a command to stretch us, to get out of our comfort zone, to love in ways far greater than the world around us. Afterward, you will understand. You know, sometimes when we talk about the next life, we... Talk about how we will understand things finally. Maybe why God allowed something to happen. Some pain or trouble. Why we had to go through this or that. You know, I'm not entirely sure that in the next life we will know why things happen to us or even that we will care to know. Job never found out All the things that we know. All the stuff about Satan behind the scenes. But yet that's not at all what Christ is talking about. You see, Christ is talking about His foot washing and more His cross. Here too, we do not understand until later. We grow in that understanding. How much has Christ loved you? Loved me? Do you know that? How much have others, His brothers and sisters, loved us? Because this is not just a a one-time thing. You see, Christ continues Every day to be active in that same spirit, washing the feet of his own through those around you. Here, his love is continued. But you see, afterward, you will know this will be heaven's joy to have the blinders finally taken away, and to finally know how deeply loved we are by Christ. At the cross, at Good Friday, but also throughout our lives, day by day, we will know that love afterwards. That unfathomable love we will drink of it forever. We will feast around it forever with Him. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, Heavenly Father we marvel, we marvel at what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, open our eyes. Show to us what you have done for us. That you, Lord Jesus, are the great Lord who washes the feet of his own. That you, the great king, that you have done the work of the lowest of slaves. We marvel that you stooped low into the ugliness and the foulness and the shame of our sin-filled lives that we might be cleansed and cleansed forever. Help us never to forget. Help us to be in awe every day again. Help us also to take up your command to see your love and to model it. Stretch us, Lord, Take us out of our comfort zones. Remove our pride. Help us to be willing to serve one another as you have served us. And we look to the day afterward when we will know the greatness of your love at the cross, but in our lives every day and feast around it forever. In Jesus' name.